Well, we played a lot of Loretta Lynn last night on the show in tribute to the Queen of Country who passed away at the age of 90 yesterday. Uh, of course, the tributes and the condolences continued again today, and so do the reminiscence about her incredible career and some incredible stories about where it all began. Uh, one that got its start while she was living in Tacoma, Washington. Actually, she wasn't living in Tacoma. Uh, she was living near the border. And uh, she appeared on a show in Tacoma uh, called the Barcade Jamboree, hosted by Buck Owens. I, I can't say it's a show I'm familiar with or watched. Uh, but she won a talent contest. She then started playing regular gigs. She would get about $5 a show. Here's how Lynn describes that time in a documentary called Honky Tonk Girl. And I got the job of singing on Saturday night for $5 a night. I saved up my $5 every Saturday night, and I bought me um, a white cowboy hat and a pair of acne white boots, a black skirt with fringe on, which I've got them in my museum, and a shirt with great big red roses. Annie Oakley couldn't have held a candle to me. I'm telling you, I thought I was the prettiest thing ever hit the street. <laughs> It was on TV that Vancouver businessman Norm Burley heard Loretta sing. He decided then and there to record her and founded the Zero Records label especially for Loretta. Now, it seems there might be some missing history in there um, that involves a Canadian named Norm Burley, a Manitoban, a lumber merchant who caught her show on TV, I gather. Uh, and invited her to Vancouver, I think, and the rest, they say, is history. She was living in Custer, Washington, which actually isn't that far from the Canadian border. Well, there's no one better to share that story and to correct my history than writer and Vancouver historian Rob Howitson, who successfully championed uh, the Fraser View Chicken Coop, where that Lynn concert was performed as the site for a Vancouver Heritage Foundation plaque as well. Rob, thank you so much for your time tonight. Oh, you're welcome, Ben. What a great what a great story and, and and for it to come to light now too it's been it's been wonderful to see but I wasn't I wasn't aware of it I think a lot of people mightn't have been um, but just on Loretta Lynn I mean you must have your fascination with her time in Vancouver must have been born of a real appreciation of her as an artist as well I wasn't uh, much of a country music fan before I got involved in this story um, it was it was tracking down this story that made me appreciate her career and all the hard work she did and all the hit songs and albums that she churned out. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm really grateful for the, that I came, that I stumbled across this story. Yeah. Tell me about the Vancouver connection, because as you can tell from a lot of the documentaries, it sort of goes from, she was in she was on the show in Tacoma and then she was in LA making a record and it kind of skips the, skips some of that history that I think, uh, is important or is at least really interesting to us. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel particularly sorry for the people who watched the movie based on her life, uh, Coal right. Miner's Daughter with Sissy Spacek. Um, if you watch that movie, it's a great movie. I recommend people watch it, but it does a very poor job of, uh, of explaining how she got her career started. Um, the, the truth is that uh, the major breakthrough for her uh, came in Vancouver in 1959 when she came up from Custer, Washington, to perform at a backyard jam session in the Fraserview neighborhood of Vancouver that was held in a chicken coop that had been converted to a private party space. Which is, I, I gather, was kind of what she was used to playing at that, at that stage. Like, this was a, but this was a well, was this a well-known spot? No, it, it was not a well-known spot. It was a very hyper-local spot 
the property owner, Mac McGregor, had built a little uh, house in 1949 on uh, Kent Avenue, one of the last streets in Vancouver before you hit the north arm of the Fraser River. And uh, when he bought the property, I think it came with this large chicken coop that was left over from an older farmstead. And he didn't know what to do with the chicken coop. He didn't want to raise chickens, but he liked to party. So he converted it <laughs> to his, his rec room. And, uh, and the rest, yeah. yeah. And so, so, yeah, this that, that doesn't sound like it, it was necessarily, uh, I, I mean, imagine building codes and so on were different back then, but it doesn't sound like it was 100% legal either. Um, so he's, does, now what's the connection with the show in Tacoma? Because I gather that she had been seen there and that sort of led, that, thus the regional aspect of it, thus she was brought to Vancouver. Is that correct? It gets complicated. Uh, there's, ah. three, there's three principal players in this story. There's Loretta Lynn, right. and she's always maintained that she was spotted by uh, Norm Burley in, in Vancouver when, when she appeared right. on Buck Owens' TV show in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And then Norm Burley was the majority investor for a tiny record label in Vancouver called Zero Records. And we would later learn uh, that Norm Burley... Uh, claimed that he heard about Loretta when a DJ in Washington State sent him uh, Uh. some sort of demo tape. And then the third and most important, in my opinion, uh, player in this uh, saga is the Canadian music producer Don Grashy from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Mm -hmm. And he's the real deal. You can look him up. He he helped countless artists over the course of his career get their starts and get recorded. And uh, he had come out to Vancouver in 1959 to get involved in the tiny label Zero Records. And uh, uh, that's when he spotted Loretta Lynn at the chicken coop and signed her and helped her record her first hit single, I'm a Honky Tonk Girl. Yeah, so because there's also, there's that sort of myth that Zero Records was created just for her, but in some ways it was already there. She just happened to be the, uh, the star they were looking for, or at least the talent they were looking for. Yeah, Don Grashy had already signed some artists to Zero uh, before he uh, came across uh, Loretta, and, and then the rest is kind of history, as because then she goes to L.A., records this record. She she goes into great detail about that recording session in that same documentary, um, and 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 then from there, she's her her career sort of starts to lift, right? It's not immediate though, I don't think. That's true. It wasn't. She wasn't an overnight success. Um, even after she got that hit, that single in her hand, that, that single, I'm a Honky Tonk Girl, charted as high as number 14 on the charts, which wasn't bad. And she took that to Nashville, and she was able to knock on doors there with that as her calling card. But uh, we, even from there, yeah. even after she signed with the Wilburn Brothers in Nashville, I, she still worked very hard to climb her way up. And, and I, I personally don't think she would be the household name she is today, uh, if it hadn't been for that movie that was made about her life in 1980. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw that movie in 1980, and I think I've, I've definitely seen it again, but not recently. I'll have to watch it again because I forget. Mo- I remember I was obviously Sissy Spacek, but I forget most of the most of the rest of it. Uh, other than you know, obviously I've watched documentaries and so on. You spoke to Loretta Lynn while doing this research about this. Uh, what was that like, and, and what was her what was her reaction to to some of the things you asked her about. I just listened, uh, just before I came on here with you, to the audio clip from the interview I did with her over the phone in 2012. And uh, the first question was, you know, uh, how did Zero Records find you? 
and she told the usual story about being on Buck Owens' TV show in Tacoma. Uh, and then I started asking her about Don Grashy's claims about him discovering her at the chicken coop. And by the end of our little chat, she kind of comes. She kind of comes around and acknowledges that if she says, "If that's what Don Grashy remembers, then then that must be what happened." And so, yeah, I was, yeah. That's that's the closest I was able to pin her down. <laughs> it is a long time ago, mind you. Yeah. Um, I was picturing what she was talking about buying herself that hat and uh, and the frilly and the frilled and the fringed skirt and the boots. I was picturing her wearing those at the chicken coop. Uh, you found her to be quite. She was quite. Ple- I mean, she was. She was. She was. She didn't mind talking, did she? No, not at all. She was very giving of her time, and uh, incredibly down to earth. And without guile, there were times during this research where I thought she was intentionally withholding information about the chicken coop. Maybe she didn't want her origin story to be on the Canadian side of the border. Mm-hmm. After all, her story is all about you know the American dream and going from rags to riches from Kentucky all the way to her palatial mansion in Tennessee. Um, can, the, the Canadian connection might have been a bit awkward for her story, um, although I recognize she would always credit Norm Burley with his money for, you know, the money that he gave her uh, in the form of zero records. Um, But in the end, I've decided, you know, like you say, it was a long time uh, between then and now, and people's memories aren't perfect. And so we have Loretta with her version of events. We have Don Grashy's with his version of events, and we've got Norm's version of events. And we just have to accept that that's the reality of, of, of life. You did, though, um, campaign and successfully campaign to have that plaque, that historical plaque put up uh, where the chicken coop was. So for here on in, there will always be that connection between Loretta Lynn and what is a very kind of out of the way part of the city, needless to say, of Vancouver. Yes. Yeah. The Vancouver Heritage Foundation uh, was instrumental in helping us put that plaque there across the street from where the chicken coop once stood. And I'm glad it's there. Um, not only does it speak to the Loretta Lynn story, but it kind of acknowledges that, you know, this neighborhood down here um, by the river in Vancouver used to be a, a kind of a rural area, industrial, and very working class. And it's now changing, it's gentrifying. Lots of condo towers are sprouting up along the river. It's wonderful to have that little plaque there just to remind people that just 60 years ago, 70 years ago, this was a very different place. Yeah, and, and not a wholly inappropriate place for a coal miner's daughter to find success, right? I mean, it wasn't uh, she wasn't playing downtown at that point either. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, being discovered in a chicken coop, if you're a country music star, there couldn't be a better discovery story than being discovered in a chicken coop near the railway tracks right by the river. It makes sense. It just, I guess, as you pointed out, when uh, from her rags to riches story, maybe it was just on the wrong side of the border. Although, I mean, living in Custer, it was not at all surprising that she would have ended up in Vancouver, right? It's all very close. That's right. And there was an active little country music scene in Vancouver and on the uh, Washington State side as well. And they used to, musicians would easily cross the border, not like today. And they right. could collaborate with one another. And, you know, you might have a band that had two players on one side of the border and two players on the other. What now, Rob? You've um, you've talked. I know you've talked a lot about this, um, about the work that you've done. It must be nice as well to be able to talk about it again and share the stories that you've been sharing. What, what will you do now with with this uh, with this trove of knowledge that you have? 
I still would like to put together a little book about the chicken coop. There isn't a ton of information there um, because it was a simple little place uh, run by simple people. <laughs> but uh, I do think it would be nice to get it into book form so that people could uh, reference that in the future. Well, Rob, when you do, um, you can come back and tell us all about it again. I will. I'll do that, uh, Ben. Yes, Rob Howitson, thank you so much for your time tonight. What a great story. Thank you very much.